Hello and welcome to Pilates Elephants with your host, Raphael Bender. Today, I want to talk about three new research reviews or research papers that have come out this year, 2023, on exercise and particularly abdominal exercise in women with diastasis. Now, this is a topic that I find fascinating and what I find fascinating about it is really is both the anatomy and physiology and pathoanatomy of of diastasis but even more so the the fascination of pilates professionals with this topic uh, which i think is wholly <laughs> undeserved uh, people lose their minds over diastasis and uh Whenever I suggest in a public forum like on social media that uh, abdominal exercises are safe for women with diastasis, I get a lot of hate. <laughs> I get a lot of I get a lot of love as well, and a lot of people saying, "Oh, that's interesting. Thanks for thanks for sharing." Uh, but I get a lot of very strong negative reactions from people uh, whenever I share some science on this topic, and it uh, it perplexes me. Um. So, dear listener, if you've got a theory on why that is, uh, I'd love to let I'd love to know. I'd love to know your theory, thoughts on that. Reach out to me on social media and let me know your thoughts. Anyway, what's happened this year are that three new research papers have been released, and the first one is a systematic review and meta analysis by Danica Benjamin and colleagues uh, at. Uh, Bandora, Australia, which is about ooh, eight or nine kilometres from where I'm sitting recording this at um, La Trobe University there. And uh, it's called Conservative Interventions May Have Little Effect on Reducing Diastasis of the Rectus Abdominis in Postural in Postnatal Women, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis by Danica Benjamin uh, Helena Frawley, Nora Shields, Casey Paris, Alexander van der Water, Andrea Bruder, and Nicholas Taylor. Now, this was released in 2023, and uh, the authors looked at 16 randomized controlled trials. So they only looked at randomized controlled trials in this systematic review and meta-analysis, which I like. Now, I won't say they only looked at high-quality research, because what they found was uh, most of the studies were not high quality. Only three of the trials in the in the review were rated as high quality, uh, and two of those three that were high quality were pilot studies, which means they had very very small uh, sample like number of participants. And the third study was a randomised controlled trial, but it only had thirty two participants. So it's also a relatively small trial. The other, the other 13 trials were rated as either low quality or uh, they called it had some concerns, which I guess we would call like moderate quality or moderate risk of bias. So, uh, you know, overall, the literature is not great quality in this area. But what they found was that of all of the 16 trials that randomized controlled trials, so these, these are intervention studies looking at uh, rec, uh, abdominal 
exercises and other interventions that are conserved. When they say conservative interventions, they mean non-surgical. So they also included bracing and um, binding, uh, neuroelectrical stimulation. So basically buzzing the muscles, the abdominal muscles with uh, electrodes to get them firing uh, very strongly uh, to put some tension across the uh, linear alba. Uh, and But the majority of the studies, I think uh, 12 or 13 of the studies included uh, exercise, abdominal strengthening exercise, uh, and then a couple of them didn't include abdominal exercise. But the, the majority of these uh, conservative interventions were centered around abdominal exercise. Some of them also had you know, binding or, or had also had neuroelectrical stimulation in addition to the exercise, but most of them were basically exercise interventions. Now, the exercise interventions uh, included uh, more, more traditional, I guess you'd say, core activation exercises, so deep abdominal core work, so transversus activation, pelvic floor activation, that type of thing, uh, in supine. And some of them included uh, more vigorous uh, work like uh, planks, uh, and some of them included uh, abdominal curl-ups. So there were basically all kinds of abdominal strengthening uh, included within this review. And what the reviewers found was that there were uh, some some uh, studies that found uh, no benefit of abdominal strengthening on diastasis. Uh, and some studies that found a small benefit. Uh, and more studies, the, uh, the a significant majority of studies found a small benefit of abdominal strengthening on uh, diastasis. And overall, what they found was for a diastasis, which they defined in this review as uh, 2.2 centimetres or more at rest, that the exercises, the exercise interventions reduce the diastasis by an average of 0.4 centimetres. So it's a very small reduction. And they, the researchers in this study uh, suggested that they don't think that's clinically significant. Clinically significant is means basically the, the woman would notice or consider it a meaningful uh, you know, improvement. So uh, all, all in all, what we have from this review, what we learned from this review, are uh, that there are there is probably a small beneficial effect of ex- abdominal strengthening exercises on diastasis. They make it smaller, but that the effect is so small that it's probably not meaningful. So we really shouldn't claim or expect that we can fix or even significantly improve diastasis postpartum with abdominal exercises. Whether those abdominal exercises involve uh, targeting the transversus abdominis or targeting the rectus abdominis, doing curl-ups, planks, core isolation work, uh, they all seem to help a little bit. But the little bit is so little that it's not really meaningful. What the researchers didn't find in any of the trials was that any form of exercise made diastasis worse. And so this is a systematic review of all the literature in any language. They looked at a bunch of different uh, databases from the inception of the databases up till sometime in 2021 was when they finished their research, uh, their, their search. And they found zero studies that 
had found abdominal strengthening makes diastasis worse. Now, that fits with previous systematic reviews that have also failed to find any studies showing abdominal exercises in any form make diastasis worse. And uh, so I think, you know, what should we take, what, what should be our takeaways from this? Well, we should uh, be reassured that abdominal strengthening won't worsen diastasis. It will probably make it very slightly better. But really, the amount of improvement you can expect is so small that it's probably not going to be noticeable for the woman. However, there are many other benefits to abdominal strengthening, dear listener, and I'm sure (laughs) that you know them well. So even without considering its effect on diastasis, abdominal strengthening is a good thing. There are lots of benefits to it. Now, even particularly for women with diastasis, we know that uh, a couple of the big concerns that women have when they have diastasis are are abdominal bloating and appearance. They're self-conscious about their appearance. Now, abdominal exercises can help with both of these things. So abdominal exercises might help with the... I guess the psychosocial symptoms of diastasis, although they won't really do much to fix the diastasis. So all taken with all, I think this is a vote of uh, support for doing abdominal exercises. Certainly not, uh, you shouldn't expect them to resolve or even significantly change the diastasis, but uh, it's certainly reassurance that there's no harm Uh, to come from doing abdominal exercises for postnatal women with diastasis. Now, all of the studies in this review related to postnatal women. They didn't find any studies that met their inclusion criteria on prenatal, or they call them antenatal women. Now, so I want to also just go over two other studies that came out this year. Uh, And the reason I want to go over them, because these were two randomized controlled trials. Actually, one was a randomized controlled trial. One one was uh, just an observational study. Uh, that came out in 2023, and they were not included in the systematic review because the systematic review uh, finished their search in late 2021, and then they spent a year and a half, uh, you know, crunching the numbers. Uh, and these two randomised or these two trials were uh, released in 2023, so they are not included in the systematic review and meta-analysis by uh, Benjamin et al. So the first one is by Theodorson. Uh, 2023. It's called The Effect of Exercise on the Inter-Rectus Distance in Pregnant Women with Diastasis Recti Abdominis, an Experimental Longitudinal Study. And this is by Nina Marguerite Theodorson, Rolf Moe Nielsen, Kari Bo, and Inga Hawkins. And I don't know exactly where they're at, but they're at some uh, university in uh, far northern universe. Europe. Oh, here we are. University of Bergen, Department of Global Public Health and Primary Care, Bergen, Norway. There we go. All right. So what these uh, researchers did was they uh, got 38 pregnant women with diastasis recti of uh, 2.8 centimetres or more, and they took ultrasound measurements of the interrectus distance, so that's the distance between the left and the right halves of the rectus abdominis, um, at rest and during pelvic floor muscle and different abdominal muscle contractions. And they did this uh, both at gestation week 27 and at week 37, so kind of like uh, 
second trimester, late second trimester, and also late third trimester. Uh, or you know, early third trimester and late third trimester. Uh, and what they found was there was a mean, I'm quoting now from their results, there quote, there was a mean increase of the interrectus distance from rest during a pelvic floor muscle contraction during a drawing in maneuver, which is a transversus abdominis contraction, and during a combination of these. There was a mean decrease of the interrectus distance from rest during the head lift, the curl up, and the diagonal curl up. What and they found at both gestation times, twenty-seven weeks and thirty-six weeks. So what that says is, during a pelvic floor contraction, during a transversus contraction, or during a combined pelvic floor and transversus contraction, diastasis widens, whereas during a curl up or a twisted curl up, like an oblique crunch, diastasis narrows. Now, this is probably unsurprising to you if you've uh, read any research on diastasis and exercise because there are multiple previous studies that have also found this. In fact, every study that has looked at interrectus distance during an exercise has found that the diastasis widens during a transversus contraction and narrows during a curl-up. This is very uncontroversial. All right, so this was the uh, this was the longitudinal uh, experimental study, and then the final study I want to talk about today was Glup et al. Sandra Glup, Murray Elstrom Eng, and Kari Bow, uh, Department of Sports Medicine, Norwegian School of Sports Sciences, Oslo, Norway, uh, and. Th- Glup et al. Now, Sandra Glup has also done a previous systematic review on uh, abdominal strengthening and uh, diastasis. I think it was 2021 that it came out uh, and pretty much find found the same thing as the 2023 Benjamin review that we talked about, although there were, have been a couple of studies released that were in the Benjamin review that weren't in the previous Glup review, but they were in agreement with the previous studies. Uh, and so what uh, Glup et al. did was they had 70 women with their, uh, who were pregnant, um, uh, oh, sorry, who were uh, six to 12 months postpartum, uh, and these were, they had one or multiple uh, pregnancies prior. Um, so they were called primiparous or multiparous. In other words, they'd had a single um, child or they'd had you know, uh, several children uh, previously. Uh, who had diastasis, uh, again, uh, 2.8 centimetres at rest. Um, and the experimental group was prescribed a 12-week standardised exercise program, including head lifts, abdominal curl-ups, and twisted abdominal curl-ups five days a week. The control group received no intervention. And what they found was the exercise program did not improve or worsen interrectal distance. The program improved rectus abdominis thickness and strength. It's uh, So they concluded, quote, an exercise program containing curl-ups for women with diastasis rectus abdominis did not worsen interrectal distance or change the severity of pelvic floor disorders or low back pain, pelvic girdle or abdominal pain, but it did increase abdominal muscle strength and thickness. So that uh, trial is in agreement with uh, the 
systematic review and meta-analysis by Benjamin et al., that abdominal muscle strengthening in postpartum women with diastasis basically doesn't change the diastasis, but it does make the abdominal muscles stronger. So we now have, you know, 17 or more randomized controlled trials, none of which show any increase in interrectus distance or diastasis with abdominal strengthening. The vast majority of which show either, or all of which, in fact, show either no change or a very slight narrowing of the diastasis or an improvement of the diastasis. So I think we can now you know, relatively confidently conclude that abdominal exercises don't won't resolve diastasis. And we can very confidently include that abdominal exercises won't worsen diastasis. So, dear listener, my fascination with this topic <laughs> really is we, the literature in this area is in complete agreement. There is you know, a reasonable literature in this area. A lot of it's relatively low quality, but it unanimously agrees that abdominal exercises don't worsen diastasis. So it it kind of surprises me and intrigues me that uh, so many people in the Pilates world lose their minds when you suggest that abdominal exercises are safe for women with diastasis. Um, so there you have it. Abdominal exercises are safe for women with diastasis. All right, maybe I just want to address uh, one little thing, and this is this is a this is a uh, my theory, my hypothesis. I'm not sure how confident I am in this, but it's just it's the only thing I've been able to come up with to explain, uh, you know, why people just lose their shit when we when we talk about diastasis and curl ups, uh, and that is. It's kind of creating a false dichotomy or interpreting everything in kind of a black and white way. So saying abdominal exercises, including curl-ups, are safe for women with diastasis is not saying all women with diastasis must do curl-ups. Those two statements are not equivalent. Saying abdominal exercises are safe means abdominal exercises can be considered, they're one of the options that you have at your disposal if you're working with women who have diastasis, and you don't need to avoid them out of fear that they're going to make the diastasis worse. Now, you might have a personal preference about abdominal exercises, and that's cool. So, maybe that's, maybe, (laughs) that's my theory on why people uh, get so upset about uh, this topic um, predictably uh, is maybe they think that when when you say when I say abdominal exercises are safe for women with diastasis, they think I'm saying all women with diastasis must do abdominal exercise must do must do curl ups. That's not what I'm saying, dear listener. But what I'm saying is, really, abdominal exercises are no more or less beneficial for women with diastasis than they are for anyone without diastasis. They're just strengthening the abs. They don't make any difference to the diastasis. They don't make it worse. They don't make it better. 
they don't affect pelvic floor muscle function, incontinence, low back pain. Like they're just, all you're doing is strengthening your abs. There's nothing to see here, folks. <laughs> it's, there's no controversy. There, well, there shouldn't be a controversy. I can't understand it. Please explain. <laughs> Please enlighten me. All right. I hope you found that useful. I hope you found that interesting. I'll link to those papers in the show notes. I highly recommend you can you read them. They're very readable. Uh, and uh, much love, and I'll see you in the next one. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.